Welcome to Day Zero Update for August 15th, 2021. I'm your host, Chris Logie. I'm Brandon Perkins. And I'm Jan Red Victorio. And yeah, we've got a busy week this week. We had two big showcases. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Idea to Xbox Showcase and the Nintendo Indie World Showcase. Yep. Uh, with a bunch of indie games to talk about, though I would say the Idea at Xbox Showcase was kind of the lesser one. Oh, definitely. <laughs> we'll get to that uh, a little bit later and tell you why. Mm-hmm. Uh, but besides that, we kind of have a, a light slate of other news uh, here, but we still got some Activision Blizzard stuff. Uh, a couple of announcements for games that are getting delayed or coming out. Uh, we got uh, two more events on the horizon here. Uh, one this week and one next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, with some more potential stuff to get shown. And a couple other things there throughout. So before we get to all of that news, we'll talk about what we've been playing. Uh, I will go first here. Uh, we'll be talking about Axiom Verge at the end of all this. Axiom Verge 2. Mm-hmm. Since that was one of the big surprise releases. And uh, I know you've not really played any Danreb, right? Uh, no, no, I haven't. All right. mm-hmm. I'll talk a bit more about it then. Uh, but for now, uh, that's been the main thing I've been playing uh, throughout uh, the past few days. Uh, for the rest of it, uh, there's Art of Rally, which is on Game Pass. Uh, I've played a little bit of that, not too much, uh, but it seems pretty neat. It's definitely, I can see the uh, the influence of their previous game. Which I'm forgetting what that was called. Uh, but it was uh, a drift sort of based, uh, not really a racing game, but uh, more of a uh, a driving game, I guess. It gave you challenges to uh, complete on these different maps, uh, that kind of stuff. Uh, a little bit more freeform in the way that was done. Uh, but this one has a bit more structure to it. Even has some actual like race and competitive stuff in there. That was a bit surprising to see after hearing a lot about how it's a bit more uh, freeform, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but here they kind of have a, a free roam mode where you get to go on the uh, the big map uh, for the different areas, and it gives you goals. Some of the kind of Tony Hawk style, like oh, find you know the letters R A L L Y that are hidden around the map. Uh, find these tapes. Uh, what else? There's another one that's just like the there are viewpoints on the map that show you like special areas, that kind of stuff. I forget. There might be one more thing. There might be some super hidden collectible thing to mm. find. So I was just kind of driving around looking at that. Uh, yeah, it seems like the there's maybe not as much polish with the console versions of this game compared to the PC version. Mm-hmm. I guess they outsourced uh, the port a bit, uh, and apparently the Switch version uh, looks really bad uh, for that, which is kind of a surprise. I'm going to see if I can try and get uh, images for you, because it looks like they are from different generations mm. of platforms. Uh, let's see if I can find it here. Uh, this might be it. But yeah, the game itself has a really nice kind of 
uh, low poly look. Okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, to it, and yeah, the devs have even been uh, pushed to. I'm gonna put this in the the chat here. There's the you know Xbox PC version. Mm-hmm. And here is the Switch version. Yeah, that's uh there's like the top one looks like a like PS2 uh-huh. kind of game and then you dropped it to the N sixty four version. Yep. Wow. But even then it maybe doesn't run super well. Mm-hmm. Uh which is wild to see. So it's not too surprising that a game may not run super well on the Switch compared to the other consoles, but they still got screenshots up on the uh, Switch page mm-hmm. that show a lot more foliage than what's in uh, the actual game from what I've seen. Yeah. Which is a bit surprising. Uh, I think they said they're going to be updating it, but I don't know how fast that process is through Nintendo. Mm. Uh, but that's kind of one of the bigger surprises, seeing how that version looks. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, got back into streaming, started streaming Lawn Mowing Simulator on Thursday. Uh, which, for whatever reason, was running like shit for some reason. It did not like me, uh, or OBS did not like the game, the way the game ran at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I set it to 4K, it somehow started running a lot better. Uh, even though, you know, I'm not capturing it at 4K or anything. Mm-hmm. Don't have the means to even display it, at least with my monitors. Uh, the game itself runs fine. Uh, the graphical options are not that uh, plentiful to fine-tune things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically the overall graphics setting... Like motion blur and the grass pop-in kind of setting. The mm-hmm. distance you see grass on the uh, area you're working on. Uh, so it's not even that much of a of things to actually tweak. So I was sort of playing around with it and for an hour kind of got to where it was like, it's it's okay. But occasionally it just dips from like 60 to 45, 40 or so. Uh, but when I was... Before I was doing that, it was dropping to like the twenties. For reason, just looking like crap uh, to stream, and I could try like putting it seven twenty, even though it looks like crap because I'm, you know, I was trying to stream ten eighty p, that kind of stuff. It feels, despite the game on its Steam Store page not being listed as an early access game, it definitely feels like it in some of that way. Uh, at least the the performance. It feels like an early access game, uh, but uh, the game itself is has been a lot of fun. You know, it, you're starting up a lawn mowing business in the UK. Uh, you can set your units of measurements to uh, imperial measurements, uh, as well as your speed to miles per hour, which for mowers not that much. Mm-hmm. I get I get caps out at like five miles an hour. But you do have to be careful when you're mowing to not, you know, run over flowers. You'll get fined for that uh, damage to the lawn. So if you're doing sick donuts with your mower, uh, mm-hmm. you're probably going to do damage to the ground. You know, being overly aggressive with your turns and all that. So you kind of need to slow things down when you can. 
that is uh, uh, a thing to keep an eye on, but the game itself works pretty well. Uh, when you're just taking your time, you do have like a time limit, I guess. And if you finish, you know, before that, you generally only have to get like 99% or so uh, finished. So it kind of has uh, a weirdness where I'm, you know, being particular and have like this pa- uh, patch left. And I get through like half of it and it's like, all right, done. It just pops everything off, you know, to a finished state. Or no, it, it leaves it there. I'm like, okay, I guess it's a, a weird look to be like, oh, I finished your lawn. Here's this patch that hasn't been done yet. Uh, and I was doing the free run just to see if the length that you're cutting it at actually matters as far as the the look of the grass. And it definitely does, but it's not as fine as like a notch above or below is probably not going to be noticeable. Uh, but if I go from like two inches to one inch, which is well below, probably what you're going to be asked to do for most jobs, uh, you can definitely see it, especially if you've done a good chunk of the lawn at a higher look. Uh, they don't have anything like the patterns that you can mow into a grass, grassy yard. Uh, you know, like how they do for like a lot of baseball fields, that kind of stuff. Uh, they don't have that kind of fine detail in this. Uh, but uh, it still works pretty well for what it is. It's kind of a chill game. Though I ended up having to turn down the audio for the mower itself way down. It's like, it sounds realistic, but also it's sounding realistic is not not a great bit of audio uh, for anybody that's, you know, lived at a place where you've been woken up by people mowing the yard and getting super mad at that kind of stuff. Uh, Storage has that same kind of loud, repetitive sounds though i was messing with the audio mix a bit at the ambient which has like dogs and birds and such that was just kind of uh overpowering everything else because i turned most other stuff down but then the game bugged out and wouldn't let me pause to mess with the audio so i just had to deal with hearing these obnoxiously loud birds and all that while i was mowing so that was uh there's definitely been some bugs and they're taking some feedback on their Steam forums and all that. Uh, I posted on there saying it'd be nice to have at least PlayStation button prompts because it's a console, it's an Xbox exclusive. Uh, so I wasn't surprised by that, but definitely people asking for you know specific wheel support. Uh, I think it supports some of the bigger ones out there. Uh, people are looking for some uh, broader stuff and Obviously, DualShock and DualSense support that kind of stuff as well. Uh, you can use the Steam input stuff to kind of get around that, but definitely would be nice to have uh, some more native support for that stuff. So, uh, been enjoying that. Looking forward to put some more time into it uh, and seeing how that goes. But yeah, the stream was kind of a bust, just kind of trying to get it to run well when it's not like an OBS at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I ended up finishing up that was like the first hour of the stream and second hour i and i'm just streaming some american truck simulator uh which still great ran perfectly fine with obs didn't freak out at all or anything uh i think the since the last time i streamed that that game has had some dlc come out for it uh particularly i've purchased the colorado dlc though i haven't gone to it yet 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, because they were doing an event for, uh, I think they called it the Idaho Spuds event. Mm. So they wanted you to do some special deliveries of one that was just this uh, trailer that has a big giant potato on it. Yeah. Uh, drive that around, which was uh, pretty nice, especially if I accidentally like, hit somebody, cut somebody off uh, with my giant potato. Uh, though I didn't necessarily pay that much attention to the fine details on it because it wants you to do one of those and six just regular trailers of that are full of potatoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was doing some of the big potatoes. I wasn't why I wasn't getting the, that to count, and that was why. So uh, that was uh, took me a bit to realize that. But the event ended uh, here at just at eight o'clock Eastern time. Mm-hmm. So I was playing a bunch of it beforehand, getting as many of these gigs as I could get because you had to deliver it from an Idaho town and it had to be the external contracts that had the potatoes. And not every town has them available all the time. So I'd have to, luckily, luckily one of the nice things they've added since last time I played is a quick travel mode. So you can just say, hey, I want to go to this town and you can just pay some money to go. Uh, generally pretty cheap uh, for what it is. So that's... Uh, what I ended up doing is just quick traveling around, seeing if they had a load of potatoes I could pick up and deliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had to be at least 100 miles, so I had to do that between a couple times just between different Idaho towns, a couple times going out of state. Uh, one to, I think, Ontario, Oregon, and other times to somewhere in Nevada, uh, the northern part of Nevada. So uh, a couple of places there, but yeah, managed to get that done just in time, especially. Last couple gigs, I was trying to cut any traffic laws I could, oh. uh, including just driving around cops uh, on the highway. Luckily, I had the uh, the dotted lines, so I could do it. Uh, also, this is like at like 10 o'clock at night, so just pitch black out. Uh, cutting through any red lights I could just to cut time, uh, which definitely helped, uh, especially realizing some of the... Uh, limitations you have on that kind of stuff where it's like, well, technically you won't get, you know, a a ticket for speeding if there's no cops around. So screw slowing down when it goes, when you're on the highway and there's a, you know, gas station coming up and it goes down to 35. It's like, well, I'm not going to stop. Just keep going at 65. It'll turn back to 65 eventually. Uh, Those kind of fun little uh, tripping of the traffic laws. That is a, pretty fun though i did pay a hefty amount of fines for going through the red light that kind of stuff uh, and had one jerk that felt like he deserved to turn while i was gonna break a red light so mm-hmm. that guy sucks just a real jerk uh but yeah that's been uh a lot of fun looking forward to putting uh some more time into that because that game is also a great kind of chill game to have mm. just driving around the road and also Shows the effectiveness of what you know long haul trucking can do uh, when you're focused on other things uh-huh. and paying too much attention to you know what's going on on a phone or a video you're watching uh, that kind of stuff and had a couple of close calls with that stuff so yeah 
that's uh that's been pretty much it for me uh brandon how about you well uh as for me i've been uh still playing genshin impact um i'm still in the new area which is anazuma and i recently uh went up against uh baal who's the sort of riding shogun of the area and she soundly kicked my ass in a very short amount of time um she is absolutely the hardest uh boss character i've come up against in this entire game um and the thing is you're not really even supposed to beat her in this first uh encounter you're only supposed to get her her uh energy down to about three quarters of what it is and even that's hard because her attacks are not only do they have like incredible range but she also is really fast and she also uses combos meaning that she can hit you with a really powerful attack and then follow it up almost instantly with an even more powerful attack all within the space of like half a second um she's also got a really nasty attack that basically covers the entire area that will take out like half of your energy in an instant and to top all of this off, she primarily uses electro power, which means that every time she hits you, there's a 50-50 chance that it'll end up stunning you for the time being, uh, meaning that you're just that easier to attack and kill. So, in uh, deciding to try some other stuff, I decided, you know what, I got a bunch of side quests to deal with. Maybe I can get my uh, level get some ascension items together and get my adventure level up. I've got it to around 33 now. And uh, hopefully uh, I'll get strong enough that I can go back and fight her again. Um, so that's kind of what I've also been doing. Um, on top of that, uh, because it's been a while and I wanted to see how this game had sort of evolved from its original release, I went back and uh, loaded up uh, Cyberpunk 2077 again on my PS4 to see, you know, how it's doing now. And it's definitely an improvement, like almost, like, no question. Um, pretty much all the graphical issues I had are gone. I don't see any more animation errors. I don't see any more, uh, you know unblurred, you know, blurry textures that haven't loaded yet. The only issue I see now is some occasional clipping, and that's about it. Um, so the game is definitely closer to, I guess, what they originally wanted, but, you know, it's it's still got some issues. Um, there are still those areas that were definitely, I'm pretty sure, supposed to have been open that you were supposed to actually go into at first when they were making this game. Uh, that are still closed off, and I'm guessing they're planning on slowly but surely opening up those areas as they make more updates. But, uh, yeah. Um, and, uh, really, other than that, I've also been uh, playing with the uh, the NES app on my Switch just to sort of go through the library that got on there um, and getting to play some of the games I actually never got a chance to play when I was a kid, like Blaster Master. Um, 
because Blaster Master was one of those games I always really wanted to play, but it was always one of the games that was always rented whenever we went to the video store, to the video rental store. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm obviously quite impressed by it. I also, of course, it's an S game, so it's also hard as all hell. And I also love just how between the time that they brought the game over from Japan over to the U.S., they basically made up an entirely new story, like Whole Hog, from the bottom up. Um, that whole sort of slideshow cutscene you see at the beginning of the game about the boy and his frog, that's completely original to the American version. Uh, in Japan, they don't have that. The story is in the manual, and it's like this gritty, hard, like, sci-fi alien invasion story. And then over here in the U.S., it's just this whimsical story about this kid trying to save his pet frog. You know? And that's pretty much what I've been doing. So, uh, Dan Reb, what about you? Yeah, it's been a rather busy week, so I haven't been playing as much as I wanted to, um, which sucks, because, like, we also had a, a really cool uh, Indie World Direct and uh, um, ID at Xbox stuff. So, uh, hopefully I'll get to uh, get my hands on those later today. Um, but yeah, uh, I've still been playing some uh, great Ace Attorney Chronicles. Um, I'm on case three of game two, so I'm 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 almost uh, at the end. And mm. yeah, I got to say that I really love the continuity uh, that we have going on from uh, the first Great Ace Attorney going going on to this one. Like um, the first game in this mini series, like uh, it didn't really end in a cliffhanger, but it ended in a way where there were a whole lot of questions and. Um, this this second one like already uh, uh, dives in. Like the first case, you actually use uh, the um, you actually use your assistant as the main defense attorney for the first case because she's in Japan while uh, uh, the main character of the first game is still in um, London. So that's a uh, pretty cool. Uh, other than that, I've also been playing Button City. Uh, mm. This is a game that I've gotten since before release, and uh, this was this, this was the game that I was playing before um, Ace Attorney came out because that's pretty much uh, taken over. But uh, it's it's pretty different. Um, the, the 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 first time I think or I remember this game being shown was at uh, uh, Hol- the the Wholesome Direct during E3, and uh, it's a pretty lighthearted game. Uh, you, you you use this fox who. Uh, just moved into town, and he meets some new friends who all frequent the local uh, arcade, the local the local arcade, and he joins like this uh, uh, this little gang to uh, play this what's pretty much a MOBA uh, within the game, and yeah, so it, it, in the arcade you can play that MOBA, you can play this racing game, and you also have this uh, um, this rhythm game. Uh, all of them are pretty fun, but they're all pretty finicky. The main thing that's really there to do is the MOBA. But yeah, there's there's some lighthearted storytelling in here. Um, you can you can walk around, pick stuff up, uh, do various requests for uh, other animals. It's it, it's it's very like uh, Animal Crossing ish, except that you know you have like more uh, you have more gameplay action and variety here, and um, nothing is self-contained within like one little world. You have like different dioramas to. Uh, explore that are that are all pretty small and at the same time like interactive in their own right. And the story right now um, is at a point where um, the arcade that the kids frequent is uh, probably going to be taken down and replaced with a um, 
a mixed use mall, you know, to, to, to get, to get the city like more attention and like money and all that stuff. So again, pretty lighthearted story. Um, I wouldn't say, uh, I'd pay like 20 bucks for it, but it's definitely a breath of fresh air from what I've played so far. And I hope to, uh, finish the game, uh, sometime after finishing, uh, Ace Attorney. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, uh, downloaded Axiom Verge 2, uh, which Chris will talk about in a little bit because I haven't played it yet. But yeah, that's about it. All right. Yeah, we'll get to one of the big releases for this week, Axiom Verge 2. Uh, the long-awaited sequel to uh, the original game, which was our game of the year that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interesting thing with this game is it's not a sequel in the story sense. It is a prequel uh, set on Earth with uh, a new character mm-hmm. that is sort of a big tech guru person that is uh, going to Antarctica to check out things down there and kind of gets trapped in this whole weird thing that is going on. Mm. I'm not going to really explain too much about the story itself, Uh, but there are some elements of the original that sort of appear here. Mm -hmm. I have been to one area where I started seeing some of the enemies they were in the original game, but they weren't enemies here. They were just kind of hanging around this area, which was pretty neat, especially because I started shooting the one. And I was like, why the hell isn't this dying? I was like, oh, maybe they're not supposed to be enemies per se. But yeah, that uh, I think the big change that Tom has made here mm-hmm. is that, especially in the early game, uh, the action is not the big focus. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a good bit. Uh, so a lot of people are trying to fight enemies and such, and all you have is an ice axe that mm-hmm. does not have great damage to it. It only attacks in a you know, cardinal east-west direction. So if you're fighting some of the early enemies that are basically like little uh, robots on the ground, you can have to crouch and hit them. Uh, that's you know, it gets kind of tedious to do that because they're a bit tricky. They yeah. can jump around and all that when they realize you're around. Uh, so kind of the best thing to do is just move on, go to the next area because you're not, you don't get anything out of killing them. You don't get XP. Uh, I mean, you can get health drops, but this game has so much, uh, so many ways to get health back. Uh, there are bushes you can destroy that can drop health. Uh, there are plenty of save points around. Uh, your hacking ability can be a means for getting enemies to either emit health or drop items that you can use to heal yourself, that kind of stuff. Uh, there's just a bunch of different ways that, especially in that early game, until you get to your first big like combat upgrade, uh, there's no real point in dealing with them uh, outside of, like, purely uh, if you get stuck in a bad situation, I guess. Mm. Uh, but I did the stream on Friday was just Axiom Verge 2, and I played for about an hour 45. Uh, and that was about enough to show a good chunk of the early game that I think, and talk about the ways that it's doing some really interesting stuff, but also the ways that it's doing things differently from the first game. Uh, Because the original game was kind of all about collecting 
this big arsenal of weapons that had a bunch of different abilities mm. uh, and uses, and that's not really a thing here uh, so much. Uh, you get you know a basic sort of a ice axe uh, as well as a boomerang. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the boomerang, you can hit uh, the button that throws it to bring it back uh, faster yeah. if you need to, which also leads to some weird moments where if you're frantically trying to throw it to attack enemies, you might accidentally hit it before it even hits them and just pull it back and kind of waste a throw, uh, that kind of stuff. But uh, you get your hack ability, which it goes beyond what's the original had where it was basically a gun that just kind of did one thing to an enemy. Each enemy had their one thing that they did when they were hacked. Uh, sometimes it was beneficial, sometimes it wasn't. Uh, but here, most enemies have uh, a list of things they can do. Some yeah. might just have one thing uh, to do, but sometimes you can turn allegiances, sometimes you can just slow or mitigate their attacks. Uh, other times you can you know, turn their ability to send out, you know, stuff to attack you into, you know, start emitting health, that kind of stuff. And there's a a good variety of stuff around there, uh, and especially plays well with the bosses, which you kind of just stumble into in a way that most of these kinds of games don't do, where they often just lock you into a room and have you go into a fight. Uh, here, there's especially one where you probably don't get the upgrade you need to actually damage it yeah. uh, unless you you know gauge with the enemy realize that you know you may be disabled all of its attacks at you but you haven't figured out a way to actually do damage to it yeah. and so you have to go exploring around that area and look for where it's at yeah. to find a way that you know lets you potentially do some damage to it cool uh, which is a pretty neat way to handle a lot of these boss fights because you can just leave uh, the area because it's just a it's just a spot on the map. Yeah, uh, it's worth going to and beating them because you get skill points out of it. That's sort of the big way they that you upgrade stats as you get. Uh, so the big way you get upgrades is that they're all urns that are mm-hmm. around the map, and you just bust them up, and uh, you'll see the uh, like tornado particle effect that Tom has made for this game, and he mm-hmm. uses it constantly. <laughs> uh, when your character dies, they respawn as like uh, their particles spewing out of the safe station uh, until the the character's body is on the ground and they get up. Instead of having like the big egg thing that the original had yeah. as your sort of save spot, uh, it also auto saves on occasion. But I don't think that's for anything other than just item collection. Because if you die in a fight, it doesn't reset you back to what you had last saved at the last save point. Yeah. Uh, so it's more forgiving game, which I think is probably a result of him seeing that a lot of people that played the game just, you know, either got lost in what they were doing or ran into a boss fight they couldn't get past. Yeah, so that pretty much ways. related to my question. Like, um, I'm one of the people who, as much as I liked Axiom Verge, I never finished it, mainly because it wasn't because I was lost. It was just because I think it was a little hard, especially with the bosses. Um, yeah. and yeah, so like, I was wondering like how much more accessible or, you know, easy to, uh, easier to play is this game. And do you think, you know, making those, uh, sacrifices and then necessarily make the game better because you know how sometimes when you make, make, make a game easier, it just isn't as fun. And, uh, but yeah, um, 
much has been made of it uh, being more accessible. And I was wondering like what they actually did to make that happen. Yeah. So there's the whole notion that the boss fights are not necessarily a, an event that just locks you into a room until you figure out how to beat them uh, or you die and you have to, you know, start over again. Uh, I think I've died on a boss once. uh, And I think I was just on the stream. Hmm. Uh, because I was playing one of the early boss fights and I was just not taking this seriously because it was uh, not my you know main save and just trying to show off some of the ways that it works. Mm. Uh, but I just you know loaded in the, the save point nearby and just came back and finished them off. But I don't remember if it keeps the damage or not. Uh, I, don't, I don't remember that part. Uh, but yeah, the... The other thing is that there is an accessibility menu where you can literally mess with the damage values that you take and that you give to enemies. Uh, So there's uh, some pretty good stuff there as well as you can change game speed. So if maybe uh, enemies are moving a little fast for you, you can slow it down. Interesting. Or if you want to be total, you know, boss ass dude, you can just sit there and turn it way up. You know, turn all the damage values up, uh, so you take damage a lot faster. Uh, maybe do less damage or just do more. Mm-hmm. Uh, whatever you can kind of mess with it the way you want, uh, in a way that uh, makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, one of the factors that made the original game so interesting was like the ability to like glitch in and out of certain areas to a point where. Uh, it seemed like it was a mistake, but a lot of it was like purposely done. Um, is there a lot of similar stuff to this one? Uh, I don't. There are a lot of shortcuts and such, because along the way you have a drone similar like what you had in the original game. Mm. Uh, so there might be alternate routes to get around places. Sometimes those are necessary because the drone can also hack uh, and do some stuff. And there are story points where the drone becomes more of the focus than the than the human form. Uh, that kind of stuff. So there's some things like that that play into it that are. Pretty interesting, though the drone also plays into the breach aspect of the game. Yeah. Where there's, like in the original, where you kind of warp into other areas just with the drone. Uh, That's kind of the same thing here, but it's kind of its own map. Uh, And you get to a point where you can even, where you've seen these little uh, places that look like the the same places that, you know, breaches would appear in other areas, but they don't have a, a specific breach. And so you get ways to open that stuff up later on. So you can sort of force your way into the breach and sort of potentially clear the map. And I think a thing they do as well to kind of help uh, make this more accessible is you can lay down markers on the map. That So if you like run into a dead end, you can put a marker there and be like, all right, I'll come back later when I get an upgrade or two and remember that this is a place that maybe I can open up, that kind of thing. And it seems like infinite mm-hmm. amount of markers, so it's not limited in any way. I think the original had some stuff like that, but I think it was limited in how many you could drop. Uh, So this kind of makes that easier, which uh, for me, not really realizing that until like a few hours in. uh, Now I'm at a point where I'm feeling the burn on not doing that from the start uh, as I'm trying to figure out where I'm going. Uh, Though I'm in different parts of the map, so I'm not really anywhere close to where I was. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so there will definitely be some uh, fun ways of potentially breaking things, uh, especially if you can get enemies to switch allegiances and just like, oh, I'll just go p- 
patrol and take out enemies for me. So I can go mess with some of this stuff, but I don't know how much there is for like sequence breaking type stuff. Yeah. That'll be fun to see like how speedrunners take to this because there is a specific speedrun mode like the original. Uh, so that's yeah. going to be fun yeah. to see. I think they spent a lot of time not necessarily creating these wild weapons and just making wild abilities uh, and, and uh, ways that you can get sort of upgraded weapons. I'm at the point where my human form has enough items for a full set of, you know, buttons since you can map that stuff around as you want. I have a, an ax that does like a side to lower attack. And I have a like double ax that I do like an overhead attack. Uh, and with that overhead ax, uh, you can also do a ground pound with it, which I haven't seen anything super useful for that, unless you're just pretty sure there's going to be an enemy below you. Uh, with that, uh, but you also have, which I've moved the morphing button to a different button, so I can have like the main attack stuff on the face buttons uh, and the other stuff on the shoulder buttons. So that's been how I've been dealing with that. Uh, there's a lot more story in this game, yeah. uh, with a lot of the collectibles being notes that you find around with some lore or whatever mm-hmm. going on, but uh, I haven't really read too much of that stuff to see what connections it might have to the original game. But I assume there's going to be places where that stuff does yeah. tie into it. And Tom has said that ultimately these two games can be kind of played separately in either order because they're you're not really tied to each other directly. Yeah. Uh, and then things will be tied together with Axiom Verge 3. Yeah. So he's already talking about the next game in some form. So we'll have to get him on the podcast here uh, soon enough uh, in the next couple months to talk to him about the game, uh, especially the sort of braveness of going off, uh, you know, taking a divergent path with the sequel mm. like this. Because while it's still like a Metroid-style game, uh, the fact that it's not, you know, gun-focused, not combat-focused like the original uh, is a big uh, chance to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I imagine that's partially why he's taken you know, the deal with Epic Games Store, mm-hmm. uh, that kind of stuff, to shore up his ability to you know, make money off of this game uh, and make sure that you know, he's not going to go into debt just making something that potentially alienates some people. But I think it's a, a game that's going to show that he is pretty flexible in how he's making these games and not going to be uh, one of those developers just makes the same kind of game over and over again. Yeah. Uh, which is definitely a brave thing to do as a solo dev. Yeah. Uh, th- that is something that I have that unlike uh, Axiom Verge, this one is getting a bit more uh, a bit more of a divisive treatment. Yeah, I think a lot of people had expectations going in. Mm-hmm. Uh, some for you know legit reasons, and others for uh, maybe their own hangups. I don't know, but uh, I think there is a whole uh, a lot of people that maybe are quick to take uh, people at their word for when they you know when the reviews came out and all that in mm-hmm. uh, videos. I haven't really watched any of that stuff. 
but I've seen a lot of people be like, oh, this video looks terrible, or this game looks terrible because mm-hmm. uh, of this video. Yeah, is, 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 the, is the game even like being well-received? I have not followed up on any reviews at all. Check uh, here. It's doing pretty well from what I've seen, okay. but I've been following well, it. It's, it's, it's it, 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 the big difference is that whereas the the last game was getting like 8.5s and 9s and the occasional perfect 10, uh, this one is getting 7s and oh, it's Yeah, it's a 74 on, uh, on Metacritic. But yeah, I mean like... Um, part of the reason why I was uh, excited for this game as soon as it was announced, aside from the fact that, you know, uh, Tom is a friend of the show, uh, yeah. I just liked the fact that it looked different without, you know, being wildly different. You know what I mean? Like, the yeah, first yeah. game had a lot of, like, pinks and purples and, like, interior, you know, hacky kind of things, whereas the second one, um, you know, it, it expands on its universe while making it look, look wildly different. Like, it, there's mm-hmm. daytime in this game, which I appreciate. So, yeah. 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 Yeah, there are a variety of looks in this game. There's the Earth map, which is, uh, you know, more realistic look. You know, when you're in these snowy areas, it's a bright, you know, white background and all that kind of stuff. You get to some of the other areas where it gets a little more uh, wild, uh, some desert stuff, grassy areas, mountainous stuff, uh, and some other places. Uh, and the breach has even a different style to itself. It's a bit more alien looking. Uh, even the visual style looks almost like a maybe like a GBA style, like NES style thing. Mm-hmm. Like trying a GBA game trying to do like a, a G, uh, an NES style look to it. Uh, even so much with the way they have the almost kind of the the pixels are outlined each pixel to a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a weird look. You'll see what I mean when you play it. Uh, it's also yeah. a bit zoomed in as well because it's you know the drone, so it's not necessarily uh, the area is a little bit smaller. Just a suit having a, a smaller uh, character to play with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that thing has its own neat little upgrades that let you get around in some fun ways that I wasn't even expecting. Uh, even watched uh, Jeff Gersman play some of that and seeing the the stuff he had he played the the early parts of the game for like an hour or so then moved to his current save mm-hmm. and seeing some of that stuff was like oh shit uh he was talking about the the mind fuck of having a game that's a few hours in a save that's like five or six hours in mm-hmm. and then going back to the beginning and like knowing where things are at but kind of blurring it where where to go at what times that kind of stuff, and especially forgetting which moves he has at the time. Mm-hmm. So you kind of get, you know, you kind of get used to being able to do certain things, uh, and you get lazy and realize uh, when you start over, like, oh yeah, I don't have this thing and this thing and that thing, so I can't necessarily be as you know aggressive with enemies or whatever. Uh, but yeah, there's there's a lot to the game that is exciting. I look forward to put more time into it, and maybe I'll actually finish this. Yeah. I like the original. Uh, though I do want to get back and beat the original. There's just a certain point, I think, with the dr- when you get the drone, that kind of yeah. becomes a, a little bit tougher to kind of decipher the map uh, and figure out like where to go. Yeah. Which I guess is partially because uh, the map is you know uh, procedurally generated when with each time you start the game, yeah. whereas it seems to be a static map. Uh, f- 
developer anytime you're playing it. So not really as much of a guessing game as to where to go mm-hmm. uh, for that. So yeah, that's kind of Axiom Verge 2, unless you got any more questions, Dan Rib. No, that was pretty much it. Mm. All right. So yeah, let's get to the news. Yeah. Uh, I guess I'll finish up Axiom Verge 2 is out on PS4, Switch, and PC, uh, Epic Game Store. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20 bucks uh, seems pretty well worth it for that price mm-hmm. uh, from what I've played so far and yeah uh, hopefully we can get that get a review up at some point so we'll see about that uh, but let's get to the news here uh, first up EA Play has added some new games to its vault uh, yeah. particularly Codemasters games yep a bunch of uh, racers so, yeah Added a bunch of the racing games, uh, F1 19, F1 20, mm-hmm. uh, Dirt 4, Dirt 5, Dirt Rally, Dirt Rally 2.0, and Grid. I think on PlayStation, uh, EA Play doesn't have all of those because I think some of them are on PlayStation now. Mm-hmm. So I imagine uh, those games will probably come to it. At some point, mm. uh, unless uh, EA just decides to do it on its own, but I don't know if they've signed a deal to uh, make it exclusive to PlayStation now and PlayStation. I don't know. Mm. But uh, if you have EA Play on, uh, I assume it's on the PC. Well, they're not, they're not in uh, Origin, I guess. Mm. Uh, so maybe that is the thing, but. At least on the consoles, if you have EA Play on Xbox or PlayStation, you can get these games. Yeah. Uh, if you have Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, you can also check them out. Uh, PC may not be much of a thing according to this, but yeah. maybe double check Yeah, on that. But uh, let's see. Also coming out here in a few days, a demo for Tales of Arise to PS4, PS5, Xbox One and the Xbox Series consoles on the 18th. All right. So people can actually check it out on Wednesday here. No PC demo. Yeah. Uh, but that'll be out here in just under a month. Do we know yeah. if the uh, demo allows allows you to uh, continue your progress? Uh, they don't say on the the tweet. Darn it. Might be a no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it seems. Uh, yeah, there's details on the demo here. Mm. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, well, the the, the main thing is though, like, um, whenever an RPG demo comes out, it's I'm I'm assuming it's already gold and it's already done. So, yeah, yeah uh, this is a game I'm definitely looking forward to. It'll definitely be the first Tales game I've played since Zestiria, uh, which I I didn't even finish. So yeah, um, yeah, I'm I'm really I'm really liking everything from the uh, character designs to the new angle of combat. Even though it it it, it looks the same, but like um, Namkai Ban or. Bandai Namco has been uh, doing a good job with the uh, JRPGs lately, like going back to uh, Scarlet Nexus and uh, you know other games. So again, uh, we're really looking forward to this one. Uh, hopefully, they can get us a code. That'd be nice. Yeah, because uh, I want to play it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's get to two events that are happening soon. Uh, this week, there's a new Pokemon Presents stream happening on Wednesday at. Uh, the great time of 6 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. 
uh, for Classic. all the people that want to get up that early for Pokemon. Mm. Yeah, uh, but they will be showing off the two big games that are coming out uh, here in the next couple of months: uh, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Mm-hmm. They're out on November nineteenth. We'll get new information on that, as well as Pokemon Legends Arceus, mm-hmm. uh, which is out January twenty eighth next year. Yep. Uh, which both of those have not had that much information out there, uh, so they're finally probably gonna give you more details why they should be interested in those games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, cool announcement. Uh, the last time they had a Pokemon Direct was uh, another 6 a.m. showcase, uh, and it was to celebrate Pokemon 25. Mm-hmm. So, um, and and that that ended with Arceus, which pretty which pretty much uh, broke the internet. So, uh, looking forward to this one. Um, in regards to. Uh, uh, what shining pearl and a uh, brilliant uh, diamond? Uh, I don't think there really is uh, much to say about it. I mean, they're they're, they're remakes, you know. So they're going to appeal to yeah. people who have played them before, and they're going to appeal to people who didn't get a chance to play it on DS when when they had the first opportunity. And one of the reasons why I think this particular um, entry in the mainline series is so good uh, is the fact that um, the the world that it, it takes place in actually has a lot of a lot of lore, and that actually carries uh, into um, uh, the Arceus game coming out a few months later. Um, so, uh, as for like what I'm expecting out of this presentation, or at the very least, maybe, maybe a wish list. But if I were just to take a guess, um, I would think that maybe, depending on the uh, you know the, the the chip shortage and whatnot, I, w- I would imagine that there's going to be some new. Uh, OLED switches for uh, both of these releases because that would just be printing money. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm going to say Arceus gets delayed, but who knows? Yeah. But yeah, we'll find that out on Wednesdays. They say it's a 28 minute stream. Mm. So, a decent amount of time for that. I imagine most of it will be on Arceus since mm. that's the game we know the least about. Yeah. You would hope. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, that's uh, that's happening on Wednesday. Happening next uh, Tuesday, the Xbox Gamescom 2021 stream will be happening. Uh, let's see, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern time, so a reasonable time. Mm-hmm. I think about 6 or 7 o'clock over there in Europe. Because I don't think there's, I still don't think they are doing a physical event. I think it's digital only. So yeah. Jeff Keeley will have his event to open it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. I guess that is happening. Wait, is that the 10 a.m.? I don't know. It says here it starts off on August 24th at 10 a.m. with the opening live ceremony mm-hmm. taking place. Oh, the next day. Okay. The Xbox event is on August 24th. Okay. They wrote this very weirdly, but yeah, uh, <laughs> Jeff Keeley's thing, the opening night live ceremony is happening the day after the first event. Mm-hmm. That's not, that doesn't make any sense. That's on August 25th at 11 a.m. Pacific, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern time. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that is, uh, I guess this one will be co-streamed by Paris Lilly and Kate Yeager. Mm-hmm as they show off games arriving later this year and beyond. I imagine some of the stuff that didn't get announced at or shown off at the E3 show will probably get some time here, as well as uh, some of the stuff that is coming out later this year, maybe a date for Halo Infinite. 
Yeah, like um, that would probably be like my bare minimum of expectations from this live stream event because Gamescom doesn't usually have a lot as far as like real banger announcements go, but it's always a good way to like keep people updated as we move forward to the year. Yeah, though there's no physical events, so there's less uh, investment that has to be into the show versus just yeah, is another opportunity to show off some stuff that's going on, mm-hmm. especially going into the fall for that stuff. So yeah, that's uh, that's going to be happening here next week. Uh, let's see, also happening next week, Spelunky one and two are finally yep. launching on the Switch August twenty sixth. Yeah, that uh, would be that next Thursday. I had no idea they weren't even on there already. <laughs> yeah, uh, they got announced a few months ago. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so that is ten bucks for the original game, twenty bucks for the sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely well worth getting either one. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, they're both great games. Mm-hmm. Worth uh, checking out. Yeah, these definitely help put rogues back on the map. So. Mm-hmm. Yep, so there's that. Uh, not coming out anytime soon. Uh, the Life is Strange Remaster Collection mm-hmm. has totally been delayed to early 2022 yep. uh, for all platforms, PC, PlayStation, Xbox, Stadia, and Switch. Uh, the reason they give here is that they want to alleviate additional pressure on the team mm-hmm. that is also working on True Colors. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that, so they have opted to delay that. Uh, yeah, Life is Strange is out on September 10th. Mm-hmm. And they're releasing the sort of prequel DLC wavelengths on September 30th. So yeah, it was kind of ridiculous that they were going to do those two things as well as the remasters of the original two or the first mm-hmm. two games. Yeah, it's really weird. I mean, like uh, the original Life is Strange series, like, you know, they, they have quite the following because like because of their characters and stuff. But Releasing it at around the same time as True Colors to me, like it, it just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And delaying it is definitely the idea to go here. At the same mm-hmm. time, I don't even know how many people even wanted this game to be remastered. Like, uh, the the I, I know it would it's two generations old at this point, but they don't look bad, and um, no. the old games are very cheap. So there's really no reason to even get this. And unless you really want to relive those decisions, which are all all going to be the same. Um, I, I I don't see a point to those games existing, but I'm I'm still excited for True Colors though, and I'm glad that wasn't delayed. I think it was probably investing into them on Switch and that kind of stuff, and that gives them uh, a reason yeah. to just do the upgrade for the other consoles and PC. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah, that, also... that, that, that definitely makes sense, like getting it on Switch. But like at the same time, like it it, it was going to release like day and date with uh with the uh, True Colors, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. I think it was going to be later that month. You could pre-order yeah. the Ultimate Edition that had them both, but you would gotcha. get the True Colors first, and that would be like a few weeks later. It was a complicated package. I remember that, but I mean, even still, like you know, having all these games release all at one time, I, I I wouldn't want the series to overshadow you know another game in the series. But that's yeah. just me. So. It would seem like a good idea to have that remaster collection like come out during the summer, yeah, and then get True Colors out after that. Mm-hmm. But and maybe that was the original intention. Who knows? And because you know, COVID has made the has made gaming just uh, completely weird. But yeah. again, uh, I would definitely prefer to have these spaced out. Uh, the timing is weird to get like the remaster after the um, the new one, but 
hey, at the end of the day, we're, we're still getting all three games, so that's cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd imagine True Colors probably has the more potential because you're going to get the people that played the original games on board as well as new people. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, versus the Remaster Collection, probably mostly appealing to uh, a smaller mix of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. True Colors kind of gets you a, a bigger slice. Mm-hmm. Especially since they're mainly putting Remaster Collection out there in that Ultimate Edition. So I think it was you had to buy that Ultimate Edition to get it early, and I think you couldn't buy them separately until later. Yeah, again, like been that, that, that whole package was uh, was complicated for whatever reason. But, yeah, so uh, along with yeah, that, like, they uh, announced that True Colors for the Switch is also coming out later uh, this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the kind of the, the Switch uh, difficulty of running a game that's also being worked on for the newer consoles mm-hmm. kind of comes back to bite them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no confirmed date, but they say uh, watch our channels for a confirmed date over the coming weeks. So hopefully it shouldn't be more than a month or so later. Mm. But we'll see. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the game is received because uh, Life is Strange 3 is actually being uh, developed by uh, Deck 9, who did the mm-hmm. Before the Storm, which was the prequel series, in my opinion, had which had, which, which was um, uh, better than it had as any business being. Um, yeah. And that one didn't even have any powers, and this one does. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how Deck 9 was able to... Uh, like deliver their own version here. So it'll, it'll be pretty interesting seeing how um, Don't Nod's uh, last project was um, uh, it, it was it was an Xbox. What, what, what was it called again? I totally forgot. But uh, mm-hmm. like that game was alright. Um, but it's always cool seeing how these narrative choice, uh, choice games uh, evolve. Because um, I was a huge fan of a lot of the stuff that Telltale did. But you know, they never moved forward because they kept the same dinky-ass uh, uh, engine, whereas these actually evolve, and like you're seeing, mm-hmm. like these games succeed as the result. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm hoping it all does well. Yeah, right. yeah, it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. how that goes. But uh, let's see. Hello Games celebrated the fifth anniversary of No Man's Sky, which is wild. Mm-hmm. I think that was five years ago. Yeah, when that launched, mm-hmm. uh, definitely with plenty of uh, criticism. And issues, there. yeah. Uh, that uh, they have ironed over most of them. Yeah. Now it's highly acclaimed. <laughs> yeah. And sort of uh, talking about this, they put out a trailer for the 5th anniversary trailer. Mm-hmm. And at the end, sort of do a nice little teaser at, a, at the next update called Frontiers. Uh, no real details on that. I think on the PlayStation blog, he kind of added a bit of extra uh, info. Nothing really that big, but it was something like realizing the potential of their sci-fi story inspirations. Uh I don't really know what that means so much uh, for this, but uh, it was pretty. Here's the article. Let's see, where's it at? Yeah, he adds some more because he talks about like showing it off at E3 for the first time mm-hmm. on the PlayStation stage. But yeah, uh, finally, we push toward forward to 2021. Our next update, Frontier, is something I'm very excited about. In some ways, it's just another update, but in other ways, it's a missing piece of the sci-fi fantasy that we've always wanted to add and very fitting for our fifth anniversary. Uh, so there's the, the tease there. 
Uh, but they'll be showing off more of that pretty soon. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Uh, and also the last sort of uh, newsy story here is that uh, Idris Elba on his twit- or Twitter account mm-hmm. teased that he is going to be playing Knuckles in the Sonic the Hedgehog 2 movie. Yep. So, yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. Um, oh, yeah. I love I loved the first uh, Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Uh, yeah, granted, it wasn't really a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. It was more of a kid's movie uh, with Sonic in it. But um, I'm looking forward to the second one because those of you who have watched it know that it's probably going to be more Sonic-y. They end up in the uh, virtual world that Sonic lives in. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to spoil what happens because I think y'all should watch the first one. But um, I'm looking forward to... Uh, to uh, Idris Elba here, he's he's definitely been killing it as of late. Almost everything he's in is good, except for, except for Cats. And his role in Cats wasn't even a bad one. So, yeah, uh, yeah he loves his furries. Mm. It'll be fun to see uh, him doing Knuckles' voice, because I think Knuckles typically is kind of a, I don't know, Brooklyn voice? Some, definitely a, a weird, either he's characterized as like a stupid idiot, like a you know, brawler, but not. Well, he's characterized like a stupid idiot in Sonic Boom, and that's it. Yeah, that's kind of yeah, the most recent. His his image has uh has changed a lot depending on like what's you know cartoon series or game, uh, uh, game vault we're talking about. But I don't know. Uh, hopefully, he's more more than just a brawly guy, and hopefully, he's uh not too much like Vegeta because I think there was one um. There was one particular cartoon series where he talked like Vegeta, and I was like, I don't, I don't know about this one. Yeah, uh, but that's definitely a big get. Where the last uh, movie's kind of uh, cast was kind of peaked with Jim Carrey. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, Ben Schwartz was the voice, which is wild to be like, okay, there's Ben Schwartz and Idris Elba mm-hmm. as the voice of two of your main <laughs> characters. And they haven't even teased who Sonic or Tails' voice character, voice actor is. Well, I assume yeah. it's going to be the one, the person who voiced him in the Stinger in the first movie. I don't remember there being much of a voice there. Oh, I will have to take a look, see if uh, there's a cast list there that has it. But they could change that as well. It's not really yeah, that's true. a thing that has to be set in stone. Mm-hmm. Colleen O'Shaughnessy, I think the voice of. Is that Naruto? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, she's a Konohamaru mm. in that one. Who are we talking yeah. about? The voice actress for Tails from... Oh, they already announced the it? First one. The oh, one that played no. Tails, the, the tiny bit of Tails in the the first movie is Colleen O'Shaughnessy. Oh, yeah. okay. She gotcha. does a lot of anime stuff. Yeah, yeah, I know her. Anime and games. Uh, so that is... Uh, she could potentially carry over, though. I wouldn't be surprised if they find, you know, a bigger name for that. Yeah, I mean, they got Idris Elba, so you know, yeah. maybe they have some more money to tank there. But the um, Colin O'Shaughnessy is a great uh, voice actress as well. So whatever yeah. happens, I mean, I mean, she's actually been the voice since like 2014. According yeah, to, she's uh, like done the voice in a number of things. Yeah, including Lego's Dimension. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we'll get another generation of kids realizing miles per hour. The pun in there. Ooh. So we'll see. That could change, but uh, let's get to uh, the next bit here. That is Activision Blizzard part four. 
Yeah, okay. uh, nothing too big of a story here. There's three people that have left the company. Yep. At least as far as we've been told. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luis Barija, Jesse McCree, and Jonathan LaCraft. Yep. I think the last two of those were mm-hmm. pictured in the infamous Cosby Suites picture. Yep. So probably an encouraged resignation. Yeah. There over uh, strict firing. Yeah. And before you ask, yes, Jesse McCree it, from Overwatch is in fact named after him, which yeah. is yeah, so there's very a, awkward. <laughs> a lot of people that are demanding they change the character's name. Which at this yeah. point would be kind of stupid. Yeah, but they're doing a lot of work to get rid of the references to the other guys in WoW. Yeah. And I think pull the Band-Aid off uh, now versus, you know, drag this on because there's people in involved with Overwatch League that want the name changed. Yeah. Uh, as well as just fans wanting it to not reference to a guy that, you know, is involved in the Cosby suite. Yeah. I could just take off the Jesse part and just call him McCready. I think that would be half-ass in it. Yeah. See, the, th- the issue here is is that he's an established property now. And, you know, we're a couple years out of the gate at this point, and it's going to be kind of difficult going back and being able to rename that character and have it stick in the popular consciousness. Yeah, I mean, like, to me, it's just... It's difficult because you know, like you like you said, uh, McCree is an established character in the Overwatch lore, and mm-hmm. while it is a reference to like you know that guy, at the same time, like the casual person isn't gonna know that. Like in the gaming industry, like it's Shigeru Miyamoto and and Hideo Kojima. Like n- nobody really knows anybody else because like the industry doesn't build itself that way, and um, I think. You know, changing it would bring a more would would bring more attention to the issue, but at the same time, uh, I guess that's what you want. So I I don't know. It's it, it's a tough call here. I would say the casual person probably wouldn't care that much about Sorry, the name, and I think also the story has been pretty big. Mm. So like bringing attention to it is yeah, sure. what's going to happen with pretty much anything Blizzard Activision Blizzard does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, uh, like, one of these guys, the first guy that I named is the game director for D- Diablo 4. Mm-hmm. Which is uh, also big news for a game that's uh, supposedly nearing the end at some point. Uh, but mm-hmm. the statement they got from an Activision Blizzard spokesperson is like, we have a deep, talented roster of developers already in place, and new leaders have been assigned where appropriate. We're confident in our ability to continue progress, deliver amazing experiences to our players and move forward to ensure a safe, productive work environment for all. Which is like, we ain't worried. Because mm-hmm. we can't be. Uh, so there's that. Uh, which isn't too surprising on their spot. Mm. Uh, but getting rid of a game director is never uh, a small deal. Mm-hmm. Especially for a game that's, you know, heavy into development at this oh, point. Oh, yeah. But yeah, let's get to the next story, which is about how Activision Blizzard's QA department has seemed like a very not fun time. It basically completely sucks ass from top to bottom. 
in just yep. about every single way you can possibly think of. Yep. Uh, long hours, low pay, especially if you are sort of a contract employee versus mm-hmm. uh, full-time. Uh, many have detailed work weeks of 50 or 60 hours, some clearing the 70-hour mark, uh, which means they're probably not working just eight-hour days, unless somehow they're working every day, and even then staying off the clock, mm-hmm. or staying uh, on the clock after hours. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, let's see, in an email to Kotaku and Activision Blizzard, a spokesperson said the majority of overtime for QA employees at Activision Blizzard is quote-unquote voluntary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how you say they're encouraged to say. Mm-hmm. They can go home if they want. Uh, they talk about pay being around $14 per hour. Uh, potentially could be up to $15 or $17 per hour. Uh, one of their staff would prefer to remain anonymous and share how much they currently make, but did note they took a $7 per hour pay cut for a QA gig at Blizzard. It took them seven years to get back to the salary level they were at before starting. Mm. Which is also a common thing in the, the games industry of raises not being as substantial or as common, though that's also at a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Unless you are pushing for it and make good arguments as to why you deserve it. Most places will do token raises that maybe aren't uh, the greatest. Mm. As they, and that's how corporations work. Uh, yeah, so they, let's see. Yeah, one person here, I could not afford to live on my own. I don't have loans of any sort or children. And I live with my partner, so I think I'm better off than most. But I know people who literally cannot take time off of work right now, despite their mental health being absolutely awful, because they wouldn't be able to afford basic necessities such as rent and food. Mm-hmm. I think that's also compounded by them being, you know, in around L.A. and uh, wherever the other businesses are, are at in the more populated places in California where rent and all that is going to be extremely high. Mm-hmm. And even jobs like this, that'd be good paying in different other parts of the country are, you know, barely able to uh, sustain basic stuff they need. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one saying I have to live in a house with at least three other people to afford to survive without skipping meals. Even with four breadwinning adults in the house is still difficult to make ends meet. While still being available to work for Activision QA. Mm-hmm. Uh, also mentioning some things here like uh, the company's internal programs almost always default default to legal names. Mm-hmm. We're going to do QA tester at one of Activision's contract QA studios. Rank and file employees can customize their display names in Slack, their popular Office chat program, but changing a name to some of the company's other programs reportedly requires reaching out to a higher up. Or someone in the HR department, what's worse, many of those programs pers- persistently reset the names of employees. A thing that Andrew, QA worker under Activision, says happens across the board. This puts us at risk of randomly being outed as transgender, which is incredibly disrespectful. HR is aware of this issue and has supposedly been talked talking with others to get the issue fixed. But this has been going on for at least a year. Mm. They do say they received nothing but respect in regards to my gender gender identity from his direct colleagues, but acknowledges that this experience is not universal across the company. Uh, After a few months on the job, Billy requested that their teammates address 
than by the they them pronouns teammates mm-hmm. all of whom were men repeatedly neglected to do so despite the fact that Billy listed their pronouns in a stat- slack status one squad member made the classic joke I identify as an attack helicopter I was sitting a few seats down from me who said no one said anything to correct it yeah Billy reached out to HR possibly getting some sensitivity training sessions on the books in order to foment foment a more equitable inclusive workplace they didn't hear back for months so yeah Hmm. extends beyond Blizzard into Activision as a whole and all the way down to QA as well mm-hmm. and not just in the developer ranks main developer ranks so yeah that's uh, great I can definitely understand the internal system being so rigid to not be easily mm-hmm. changeable but that's still not an excuse for putting off the work mm-hmm. and not being able to get, you know, direct colleagues to do simple changes mm-hmm. on their own to how they talk to you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's not great. Uh, also here, the last story of the Activision Blizzard block, a shareholder uh, that is also an investment group called SOC mm-hmm. has called out Activision Blizzard for not doing enough to change in response to the suit from California. Yeah, and I have a feeling that it's they're not going to be the last. Yeah. Um, because I'm absolutely convinced at this point that the only way this is going to end is when Bobby Kotick is out on his ass. Granted, he'll be landing on his ass with a parachute worth millions of dollars, but yeah, this is ultimately going to end with him no longer being CEO of the company. Yeah, the... And you would hope so. I mean, like with the, with the way they're going, it's, it, it just seems like they're trying to find every way to protect him. But uh, this, uh, hopefully, this shareholder investment story uh, yeah. means otherwise. Yeah, yeah. And keep I in mind, was... they talk about how the fish rots from the head down. Uh, Bobby Kotick has a history of sexual harassment accusations against him going back well over a decade. So, yeah. you know, yeah. And this one here, uh, the executive director detailed in his letter to. At Division Blizzard, that there have been no actionable changes outlined by the company that shows notable progress towards improving the working conditions alleged in the DFEH case. Uh, no change has been announced or proposed that would in any way alter the current process for filing vacancies, for filling vacancies, either to yeah. the board of directors or to senior management. Uh, they suggest calling attention to the firm chosen to investigate the allegations further, which is Wilmer Hale. Yeah. Uh, it's also the same law firm that Amazon hired to help them stop unionizing to happen. And yeah, the SOC statement added that Wilmer Hale reputation is far reaching mm-hmm. and has quote, no track record of uncovering wrongdoing that the lead investigator does not have the necessary experience to be taking on a case like this. Uh, they continue by demanding an increase in board diversity by adding woman director with a known history of advocacy Mm-hmm. for marginalized people and communities by the end of this year. As he says, this move should be one of many steps towards creating a more gender-diverse board by the year 2025. Mm-hmm. And as I say, they need to be cut to executive bonuses that have engaged in or enabled abusive behavior and should not be awarded any bonuses through the remainder of the year. It's not a state that all future bonuses should be, quote, contingent on the company as a whole. That contingency should be marked by verified milestones for diversity and equity. So yeah, not a not a lot there that is 
unreasonable. Mm-hmm. But whether yep. they do it or not, we'll see. Yeah, it depends on how if enough investors will shame them into doing it. Yeah, or threaten a- to pull their funding. That's another thing they could do. Hey, we're going to yeah. take our stocks elsewhere. Yeah, there is the class action suit by a number of stockholders. Mm-hmm. They weren't properly briefed on the issues at hand with the uh, harassment and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that made their stock um, seem more valuable than it was. Yeah. Part of the reason I think so many they're doing to protect uh, Kodak in particular is because I... I kind of have a feeling he has kind of a Donald Trump reputation, well, relationship with a lot of the other higher-ups at Activision. And that he's probably one of those people who's like, yeah, if I go down, you're going down with me. And that they're kind of afraid that if his head rolls, their head will probably roll too. Yeah, I wouldn't Uh, be surprised. I mean, like, uh, it's funny because uh, as good as the industry is at taking care of its people, it's also really, really bad at taking care of its people. So, yeah. you know, this is, it's like an endless cycle, and the only way this cycle can, like, move forward in a positive way is by unionizing. And I don't know what it'll take in order for the industry to get there, but... It's going to take... It's going to take... I'll tell you what it's probably going to take. It's probably going to take all three of the major AAA developers talking to each other. Not the heads, but the actual developers and the low-level workers talking to each other and organizing together because they need to, you can't just do it as like, you know, we're the Activision, we're the EA, we're the Ubisoft. No, you have to have a united front to show that the industry, you mean business. But that is a very huge hurdle to get over. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, especially with the pandemic and, 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 you know, not to use it as an excuse, but, you know, um, these these companies just keep consolidating. Everyone's mm-hmm. buying each other, and you know, just the, the the competition just doesn't make any of it easier. And there's a, there's a lot of collateral damage as a result. So yeah, it's tough. It's tough to see. Um, going into the QA story, you know, um, the QA people are the people who actually are paid to play video games, and 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 it's funny. Like you know, when when I introduce myself to any person, I'd be like, oh yeah, I you know I I work at so and so gaming company, and they're like, oh. So, so does, does that mean like you play games like all day every day? That's that, that that's quite a job. And um, <laughs> as, as 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 someone who uh, you know actually like work works at a game studio, I will say no, I don't do that. And honestly, the people that do do that hate their lives. This is why mm-hmm. they're not paid that well at all. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, you know that fifteen seventeen dollars an hour is a lot better than you know fifteen seventeen dollars an hour at a retail uh, store or a. Or, or or food service, but at the same time, and at the same time, um, uh, they're 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 getting way more hours. But at the end of the day, you know, you don't want to be burnt out, and that's how you mm-hmm. lose people. So, yeah, and it's like, oh, do you like playing a game and having it bug out and losing all your progress, and having to do that over and over again to make sure you know how it's happening, so yeah. that the people working on the game can see what might be causing that issue. Mm-hmm. And it's not like a two-minute thing. It's like a 30-minute-hour thing, at least, mm-hmm. depending on how big the game is. Mm-hmm. Like, imagine trying to do that in a GTA or Assassin's Creed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're talking, like, you know, real AAA crazy games, like stuff from Blizzard, you know, stuff from 
um, wh whoever it may be. Like, if you want a game to be really, really polished, these are the guys who are going to work the long, long hours, and they just mm -hmm. don't get enough credit. And then nope. they're always going to be like, uh, along with customer service, they're always going to be the people shit on when when things are are crashing like crazy. So, yeah, because yeah. we were like, oh, didn't QA catch? Like, most likely they did. And they reported it, and the people at the top were like, "We don't have time for this. Exactly. We have to get this game out now." Especially with with live products, like sometimes they'll discover they'll discover something immediately, and the problem is a lot of code reverse engineers a lot of code, so it's 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 not as easy as flipping a switch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but yeah. Let's get to uh, some more positive stuff. Yeah. Um, the two events here, Nintendo's Indie World Showcase and mm -hmm. the ID at Xbox Showcase. Uh, we'll start here with Nintendo. Yeah, uh, They just popped out of the blue, said, like, hey, we're going to have this event. Mm -hmm. And then uh, had that on, was that Wednesday? Mm -hmm. I think it was. Uh, so, yeah, we got uh, a list of games here. We'll kind of work through it uh, a bit more quickly because a lot of this stuff is games that have been known, mm -hmm. have been out there for a bit. Uh, either announced or been actually out and just finally come to Switch. Yeah. But we'll get here with Bomb Rush Cyberfunk. AKA uh, Jet Jet Set Radio with the numbers filed off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this one is going to be a timed console exclusive. Yeah. Uh, but only has a date of 2022. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's that. I think they even have the composer from the original game that's. Uh, is working on at least some stuff for it. Mm -hmm. uh, Hideki Naganuma. Mm -hmm. uh, so that'll be happening here at some point. Uh, there is Tome, uh, which is spelled like Totem, but without the T in the middle. Uh, that one is a sort of like an adventure game, puzzle game kind of mm -hmm. thing where you're taking uh, pictures of things in the environment or people or whatever to solve your mm -hmm. goals. Has a nice like black and white art style, monochromatic kind of look to it. Mm -hmm. uh, that looks really nice. So, if you like photo modes in your games, here's a game about photo mode, mm -hmm. essentially. Uh, some nice wacky stuff that is coming out sometime this fall, 2021. Mm -hmm. uh, let's see. Also coming to the Switch, Loop Hero, holiday 2021. That is a game that I talked about earlier this year. That is. Uh, a roguelike, uh, but where you're kind of got some idle management aspects of it, where yeah. your actual uh, action is kind of having your character just kind of walking around on this path. Mm -hmm. uh, along the way, you get these sort of cards to drop that let you drop uh, environmental tiles onto the map uh, that can spawn certain types of enemies or uh, create. Uh, materials that you need to go back to your village mm -hmm. and sort of build out things sort of the way that, you know, a Rogue Legacy or a, a Hades kind of has uh, that kind of thing. And all the while you get loot dropping and you're trying to have the guy, you know, hang around long enough to get some good stuff to drop. Mm -hmm. uh, but also you have to make sure you don't let them go too far and die uh, because then you lose at least some of the items, if not all of them, depending on how you settle that stuff. So mm -hmm. uh, that's a game well worth checking out. Uh, let's see, there's Far Chang Far Changing Tides, the sequel to Far Loan Sales. As uh, 
that is going to be a let's see early 2022 release i guess coming to everything but Mm -hmm. uh for the switch to get this is pretty nice uh the original is kind of more of a land-based vehicle that you were controlling and this one uh as the title suggests you're controlling more of a a ship kind of going through the oceans after this sort of ecological disaster has happened uh, let's see. Next one is Necro Barista Final Pour, uh, which is kind of a, I don't know if it's a visual novel kind of thing to yeah. it, but you're also uh, sort of a uh, working in this cafe. Mm-hmm. It says here, experience the story of a cafe where the dead are granted one last night to mingle with the living. Uh, so that's kind of a weird thing, but it's going to be a timed console exclusive for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. And then they... Oh, that's already out. Okay, that, that came out. Uh, this is like a block where they're like, oh, here's some stuff that's out today. Uh, they also showed Garden Story. Also, Timed Console Exclusive is out today. Uh, I think it's also out on PC. Uh, that is a game that's kind of a bit of uh, Zelda and Stardew Valley to it. Uh, some weird stuff to it. So, you know, some fun stuff there. Uh, also out today's Boyfriend Dungeon. Uh, a game from... Kit Fox games. It's a yep. dungeon crawling dating sim where you date characters that are also your weapons yep. that you use to fight monsters in the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is also on Xbox Game Pass for PC and Xbox. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you want to check it out, you can do it there. Maybe buy it on Switch or elsewhere if you want that. Mm-hmm. Uh, also out today, Axiom Bridge 2. We talked about that earlier. Uh, that's out PS4, Switch, and Epic Game Store mm-hmm. for now. PS5 should be coming pretty soon. Uh, there's that. Then they went back to talking about other stuff. Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon, which I think mm-hmm. used to be called Shovel Knight Dig, which is sort of a puzzle spinoff of the original Shovel Knight. Yeah. That uh, they finally are showing off some more of. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems like that's going to have uh, Amiibo support for the Shovel Knight Amiibos they put out so far. Mm-hmm. That's out sometime this fall. And I guess coming out to everything. So the, the Amiibo support is the exclusive feature. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, because you can't do that on any of the platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Also coming out today is Islanders Console Edition as a timed console exclusive. I think that is one of those uh, sort of strategy, like godlike games, mm-hmm. uh, where you're managing this island of people and building, uh, placing buildings for them, and all this kind of stuff to uh, keep it growing, keep your settlement mm-hmm. growing, that kind of stuff. So that is out now. Uh, Metal Slug Tactics showed up. This is the first console it's been announced for for a 2022 release. Mm-hmm. So that'll be coming. That's the sort of strategy RPG Metal Slug game. Mm. Uh, we got Tetris Effect Connected is yep. coming to the Switch on October 8th. So oh, finally boy. coming over. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the people that have not checked that out yet, mm. uh, I'll be curious to see how that looks on a Switch, considering how much the particle effects and all that are a big part of that. Uh, but I mean, be... I wouldn't imagine it being looking bad looking on on handheld. No, mm-hmm. no, but it'll be a, a little bit 
diminish, but it's still Tetris. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The also, Switch is a hell of a Tetris machine. I mean, you know, they've already got Tetris 99, which is fantastic. They have Puyo Puyo oh, Tetris, also, also fun, even though the second game is the exact same thing as the first. And then, yeah, Tetris Effect Connected, which should bring uh, more multiplayer madness to it. So, But except here, it's chill vibes. So good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, also coming to the Switch is Astroneer in January 2022. That'll be an interesting one to see for the performance stuff because that is a game that uh, was a bit rough on Xbox and PC for a while mm-hmm. until launch. And so the Switch obviously is not as capable as an Xbox One or a, a good PC. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, also coming out, uh, let's see, uh, this holiday. 100 Days Winemaking Simulator. Uh, this is a weird-looking game. Yeah. Uh, let me see where the description is here. to, Or do they have it here? Okay, I guess they don't. No, it's not here. But, okay, there's there's a link to it. Uh, it's kind of a weird management game of sorts where you're managing this uh, uh, vineyard, I guess. You choose which vines to grow, learn how to grow them, when to harvest. Then following the entire winemaking process, deciding on the type of wine you want to produce or the market requires. You also have to sell the wine produced to allow your company to expand. Uh, so there's that kind of stuff. So a little bit of a simulation, but has a really nice style to it. So yeah, there's that. That is uh, coming out sometime this fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Slime Rancher is coming to the Switch as Slime Rancher Plortable Edition. Yep. That's out now. Uh, yeah. Plorts are the crystal poops that the slimes poop out mm-hmm. just in case you're wondering what that's why it's not just saying portable uh, yeah so talking about poop mm-hmm. uh, let's see lumbear jack is also coming to the switch in 2022 mm-hmm. uh, that is a i think it's one of those kind of uh yeah, grab your axe and save the environment by chopping and recycling every man-made thing in your path and solving puzzles with your charming animal friends. So yeah, kind of one of those games. Mm. Destroying the evil corporation that is dead set on destroying nature. Mm-hmm. So yeah. There's that. Uh, let's see. Also coming is Curious Expedition 2, which I don't really know too much about from uh, the first game, but it looks like a, a weird... A whole like uh it's a turn-based narrative roguelike yeah said a reimagined version of the late 19th century mm-hmm. but yeah there's like dinosaurs at one point all this kind of stuff so yeah it goes in some weird places mm. uh also announced gang beast is coming to the switch this fall uh which makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. from one of the developers with one of the best names in the industry Bone yeah. Wolf. Mm-hmm. Uh, not many people can top that name. Mm-hmm. And then they capped it off by showing off some more of Eastward. That will be out in September as a timed console exclusive. Mm. Uh, which is sort of the the new game that is being published by uh, Chucklefish. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones published Stardew Valley. Mm-hmm. Though they didn't make it, yeah. Uh, this one has a good bit of Earthbound vibes to it. Oh yeah. As you have two main characters, John and Sam, trying to solve dungeon puzzles, 
taking mm-hmm. down weird enemies, uh, going through weird environments, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It looks absolutely amazing. I want to play this as soon as I can. Yeah. Well, that'll be sometime in, let's see, September 16th. Yeah. So I don't know why it's they about a that. month from now. <laughs> yeah. So there's that. That'll be on the Switch and PC in some form. Mm-hmm. So you can check that out. That was the Indie World Showcase. All right. Uh, some pretty good stuff there, as well as a good bit that you could play uh, later that day. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything there that catches your eyes? Well, each um, word, like I said. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Uh, it's, go ahead. I was going to say Eastward, obviously. Uh, also, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk, because I have been wanting to play Jet Set Radio again for a long time. And that's pretty much what this is. And uh, yeah, Metal Slug Tactics, all good. Yeah, there's a couple different things on here I want to play. All right, how about you, Danra? Kind of weird. Like, for me, um, there were, are definitely a handful of games that I'm uh, definitely interested in. But mm-hmm. I feel like the, the the presentation in general, like, kind of fell flat. Like, as fun and as awesome as Eastward looks, um, I don't know if I would have saved that as as the last uh, game of the presentation. But I don't mm-hmm. know. It, it 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 just didn't really, like, hit the way the other ones uh, would as far as, like, as far as, like, a good show uh, put together was. But, um, yeah, I'm definitely also looking forward to uh, Bomb Rush Cyberfunk as someone that really enjoyed um, Dead Set Radio Future back in the day. Uh, looking forward mm-hmm. to getting my hands on that. Uh, Necro Barista Final Pour uh, seemed pretty cool. Um, this is probably something I'd rather play on PlayStation, though, just because of an achievement list. Uh, Axiom Verge 2, obviously, I, I bought them both on Switch and uh, PS4 uh, or was PS5. I, I forgot what I bought it on. Whatever it's on, I, I bought it. I haven't played it yet. Um, Metal Slug Tactics is something I'm looking forward to, uh, and um, yeah, like uh, again, there there were definitely a lot of cool games that I'm interested in playing. And I think the best thing about this presentation was the the out today list. Um, that in particular really really hit because I feel like the beginning of the presentation showed a little too much 2022 stuff. But then I get it that we're in August, and you know, uh, amazingly, 2021 is almost over. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, uh, for me, I was definitely uh, excited to see Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon. Uh, having a new Shovel Knight game, especially one that is uh, pretty different in gameplay style than the original. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original slew of games they put out. Uh, this one, I think, is being made by Nitrome. He's done some really cool games like Bomb Chicken and some other stuff. Yeah, uh, They have some good experience with uh, puzzle games, too, so... Uh, has a, a nice, nice look and uh, gameplay style to it that I'm excited to see. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, it's not too far off. Uh, Lumberjack looks pretty neat. Oh, yeah. Eastward as well. Uh, not really a ton here that I would get on a Switch if I'm not forced to. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of stuff having already been out uh, elsewhere mm-hmm. uh, kind of tempers some of the. The excitement for these specific announcements, uh, just yeah. like oh, this this is also coming to this platform. Okay, that's neat. All uh, right, but yeah, well, let's get to the idea at Xbox Showcase, which improved on the last one because it's not four hours long. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did not take long breaks to uh, get ready for the next thing, whatever. Mm-hmm. 
uh, is going on. But yeah, this, uh, and I think the, the big issue is that it seems like they didn't give the host heads up on much of what was happening. Mm-hmm. Because there are occasional times where I think one of the last couple of games is a Korean game. Mm. And uh, one of the hosts described it as Japanese. Yeah. Which I can get the confusion just on a casual basis, but there should have been like a list of just basic information about the games that were being shown just so they wouldn't say things like that. Uh, and I think the list of games is so far off because there's very little in the way of dates or timeframes are coming out. That is yeah. kind of the, the big issue with a lot of this list. As well as there's a uh, weird little segment where they, I know that Microsoft didn't set this up because they hired Twitch to to run it. Uh, yeah. But they had uh, a number of interviews that uh, kind of threw off some of the the pacing of this, mm-hmm. as they're kind of more focused on it as a Twitch stream versus you know. Uh, a presentation like the the stuff they showed that was just purely uh trailers and kind of talking a little bit about that it was like 30 minutes or so out of two hours mm-hmm. uh, which would have been perfectly fine if it was cut up into that but mm. uh, you can find the the vod in a number of places this time around so i didn't have to go and watch mm. a twitch uh watch it on the twitch player kind of thing and skim through it mm. Uh, so that was at least an improvement, and let's see. And the, the on the list here, this Pathfinder Righteous is in the middle of a segment where they were showing off Game Pass games. Mm-hmm. And that was included in there, and they had to uh, the Xbox Twitter account had to be like, "Yeah, that's not actually a Game Pass game." Uh, mm-hmm. You know, apologizing for the confusion and all that. And like some of the games got shown multiple times because there was like a montage of just here's games being made by. Uh, developers that are their first game and then show those games again later on as like more of a full trailer instead of like a five second thing mm. and so that was just kind of a whole weird thing that happened mm-hmm. uh, but yeah we'll kind of go through a little bit and just kind of move quickly because there's not really a ton to talk about with these Yeah, uh, you can kind of look at the, the roundup here to kind of get more information on them but yeah, they showed Lightyear Frontier, which is like a farming simulator game, but everybody controls mechs. Mm-hmm. You can play with up to four players, and it'll launch in early access next year, I guess. That was not mentioned at all in the trailer that was in the, the show. So it was kind of a thing. I was like, oh, okay. That'd be nice if it was mentioned there. I looked up pretty much all of these developers, their website for either their studio or the game and dates were not on most of them. Barely did any mention they were coming to Xbox. Mm. Uh, this was like a few days after the stream. I was looking at this stuff. Mm. Uh, there's the wandering village, which is like, what if you had a city builder that was on top of essentially like Colossi from shadow of the Colossus. Mm-hmm. If instead of trying to kill them, you were trying to build a life on top of them. Mm. Uh, that kind of thing. So that's that. That's Xbox and PC. Most of these are all Xbox PC games. Uh, they're games that are coming out on Steam and are also coming to Xbox at some point. Uh, there's Labrat here, which is like a you know turn-based puzzle game where you're pushing stuff around to solve puzzles mm-hmm. with a GLaDOS-style AI kind of talking uh, shit about you and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's coming out sometime in 2022 for... 
uh, Xbox and Steam. Uh, they right. showed off, let's see, Inked, A Tale of Love, mm-hmm. which is a neat-looking game that has sort of a, an inky, hand-drawn style to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also fourth tale, uh, fourth wall breaking. Yep. As occasionally the hand comes into play and starts mm-hmm. drawing stuff to get in your way or take characters away or whatever. Uh, that is out on Xbox One, PS4, and Switch. It's been on PC for a couple of years. Uh, but it's out on those platforms August 27th. Uh, Sam and Max Say the World Remastered is out now for uh, Xbox One. Uh, that is the remastered version of the first Telltale Cinemax series. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that is sort of uh, those first few episodes there. A uh, pretty good uh, set of uh, episodes. Uh, more adventure in nature than what you may know Telltale for. Mm-hmm. Uh, from The Walking Dead onward. Uh, let's see. There's The Big Con. I don't, know, I don't have this mentioned on here, but that is a game that they announced that uh, Troy Baker is doing voice for it, as well as Erica Ishii mm-hmm. is doing the main character. Uh, that is a game set in the 90s about a teenage con artist. Uh, with yeah. a very 90s look to it. Mm-hmm. That kind of stuff. So there's that. There is, let's see, Mad Streets, which is kind of a a weird brawler, 3D brawler kind of thing mm-hmm. that is meant as like a uh, party game. It's like physics-y kind of stuff. You can throw stuff at people. Uh, so there's that. That is coming out at some point. She Dreams Elsewhere, coming to Xbox, Switch, Steam, Stadia, as well as Game Pass. Uh, that is kind of a... i trying to see what the description is here. Uh, it was kind of a... I forget. What is it? I think it's a very like atmospheric kind of uh, story game. So... There's that. Uh, there's Project Wingman, which has been on PC for a bit, is a Kickstarter thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's coming to Xbox. It is kind of a Ace Combat style uh, flight combat game. Uh, let's see, Loot Rivers coming to Xbox and Steam. I think this one's shown off at one of the E3 shows, E3 streams. That uh, imagine a 2D Dark Souls, uh, but where you get onto these uh, platforms that you can move around like a slot puzzle. Game, yeah. uh, uh, where you can slide them around and all that, uh, but you're mm. doing that so you can get around the world. And they showed a little bit of you like moving it up against this platform where the enemies are at, taking a pot shot and then moving away quickly mm-hmm. uh, as you kind of cheese it a little bit if you need to. Uh, let's see, Solus State, which is I forget which one that is. The annoying thing is the uh, Xbox uh, post on their site. Doesn't give very much in a way of descriptions for many of the games. They picked a couple and did that, and the rest are just lists. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not 100% sure which game Solus State was, unfortunately, but look it up. Uh, there's Inculinati, uh, just a weird game to say, but that's Xbox and I think multiple PC storefronts. Uh, that one, I believe, is sort of a, an RPG of sorts. It's based on like. Uh, Middle Ages kind of uh, art style, yeah. and that's more powerful than the sword mm-hmm. kind of stuff, shooter kind of game. You can play with friends and that kind of stuff. So there's that. There's Paparazzi, which is a fun little game of uh, you being a f- photographer in this world of pups, uh, you know, skateboarding and doing all kinds of stuff. So you're trying to get pictures for of them doing cool stuff. 
Uh, it's coming to Xbox and Steam as well as Game Pass. I think She Dreams Elsewhere is also coming to Game Pass. I'm trying to catch mm-hmm. up on other stuff. Uh, there's the yeah the big con I mentioned that earlier. Pathfinder: Wrath of the Righteous, which is you know in that kind of uh, Path of Exile style of a uh, mm-hmm. computer RPG. Yeah. But it's in the Pathfinder universe, which is sort of a spinoff of one of the earlier D and D rule sets. I forget which one. Yeah, it was a spinoff of I think version three i think yeah, it's whichever one was the it's, made, it's technically supposed to be like dungeons and dragons 0.5 but yeah. it broke off and became its own thing yeah there's a bunch of books just for that thing mm-hmm. um, but there's some, some game stuff and that's coming to xbox ps4 pc march 1st uh, let's see evil genius 2 world dominations come to xbox and playstation on game pass mm-hmm. as well that is kind of a Essentially, what if you had to build up the sort of evil layer of an evil genius kind of thing and thwart heroes and all that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Uh, so those are finally coming to uh, the consoles. Been on PC since last year, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, they made a big thing about Stardew Valley coming to Game Pass. People can yeah. check that out at some point. I don't know if it has a date. I think it's just coming at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, Library of Ruina, which is a Korean sort of JRPG-style game mm-hmm. from the Xbox and Steam that is out now. It's also on Game Pass, so you can check that out. Uh, it's like a cart or deck-building sort of JRPG kind of thing. Uh, then they also shut off Space Lines from the Far Out, mm-hmm. which is like a weird little... Uh, I'm trying to think of the game that it is like FTL, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, that style of you've got like a little crew managing that kind of stuff mm-hmm. on a ship to take out enemies and do other stuff. So, but it's not 2D like uh, FTL is. Mm-hmm. So that's neat happening at some point. Then they showed off at the end the Artful Escape that's coming to Xbox and Steam. It'll be on Game Pass mm-hmm. uh, September 9th when it launches, which was shown at. Uh, the Annapurna Interactive Showcase a couple weeks ago. So they got to show some actual gameplay of it, which didn't really look all that much difference from the, the story trailer mm-hmm. uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, but there is some like character customization to it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that'll be on Game Pass at launch, so you can check that out that way. Mm. Uh, so yeah, that was the idea at Xbox Showcase. Kind of boring because most of the stuff had no dates, just very nebulous kind of when you could check anything out. So it's kind of the opposite of what the Indie Showcase, Indie World Showcase was for Nintendo. Mm. Where a lot of stuff was had either dates was out now or a you know a window time frame, a seasonal yeah, time frame. Pretty much. Here's like, ah, oh, this this is coming to Xbox. Yeah. It's like okay. It's so, almost like they heard that, oh God. Switch is fixed to have it the last minute. They're like, crap, we gotta we gotta do something to show people we still exist. I think this was announced well before. It was just kind of showing how different the approaches that Xbox has to mm-hmm. uh, what Nintendo and Sony are doing with these more mm-hmm. uh, quick and sort of digestible uh, videos. They're, you know, 30 minutes or less. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. based on the pure trailers and such they showed here 
Xbox mm-hmm. could have easily done this, but they decided to partner with Twitch and let uh, them handle it, which they're going to treat it like more of a, a longer thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hilarious thing is that they, at the beginning they show like, here's the times where these different segments are going to happen. And they kind of show it again later on for what's left, but they don't show times. Mm-hmm. There's like, ah, oh, later. It's like, what the fuck does that mean? Especially when I'm watching a VOD that has like an hour of extra fluff from the when the beginning of the time uh, the countdown started. So it's like, okay, just tell me when these things happen so I can uh, skip around a little bit because I'm not really interested in the discussions that much. But yeah, that was kind of uh, disappointing to look at it and see like there wasn't really that much here of concrete Mm. news. Yeah. Because a lot of this could just been handled as, you know, blog posts on the Xbox wire, Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of stuff, or just announcements from their Twitter account. But yeah, it was kind of just a disappointing way of presenting the stuff, but Mm -hmm. that's something that Twitch involved. It was a pretty weird hodgepodge of things. Um, You know, uh, it's hard to say whether or not I, I I didn't like the whole Twitch interaction, but like the the whole point was to you know get the the hosts like sometime to speak, and like you know some are actually good at what they do. They they, they actually did a fantastic job with that. The thing is, it was a, 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 a little a little too much of it. Uh, not enough games, and in all honesty, like as uh, as we see here in our outline, I mean it, it's not that there wasn't enough games. It was just it's just that it was based out weird. Like this sort of thing doesn't happen doesn't have to be two hours long. Um, yeah. You're right. Uh, it, it it could have totally just gone in a press release, but at the same time, if you if you put it in a press release, the games aren't going to get the time they deserve. So yeah, it's a weird format that Xbox should definitely uh, tick tick again to at uh, fixing up again. And yeah. like, um, I think one thing that really you know uh, took this sort of format and made it really good was uh, Annapurna's uh, last week. Like that was a really good presentation put together. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Like the the Xbox Wire post they had for this thing was basically a press release where it's like. Handful yeah. of the games got actual descriptions. The rest are just a list where it's like, okay, then I have to do the work of, you know, Googling what each game is and like not even doing the thing that like Sony does really well with their sort of uh, showcases is they'll round up all the articles and post mm-hmm. the links in each of the articles. So you can jump around and see like what all was announced uh, alongside the thing you're looking at mm-hmm. kind of thing where it makes it easy. And it's like, ah, oh, there's, doesn't seem like anything really happens uh, the way that it looks. Like I'm not seeing any articles on individual games or anything. Maybe I'm looking in the wrong place. Mm-hmm. But even some of the stuff that I thought happened was like I thought the lawn mowing simulator was announced as part of this that was coming out uh, right then. But nope, that was uh, uh, either date they already had or they just announced it on their own. I don't know, but uh, that's. Uh, a whole weird thing. Mm-hmm. It just shows that Microsoft's kind of been lackluster in their non-sort of press conference style uh, showcases for games. Uh, so maybe they'll figure it out at some point, but this has been a year and a half or so of them kind of fumbling around with this stuff. Mm-hmm. So maybe they just don't have it in them. Don't have the right people that can get them on track. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they're just more than willing to shovel it off to somebody else like Twitch, uh, the Twitch gaming account, and let them handle it. And any criticisms, they're going to be like, well, that's them. 
They're mm-hmm. the ones that had control of this. Which is why they announced a game technically being part of Game Pass that wasn't actually going to be part of Game Pass. Mm-hmm. Because they put the wrong trailer in the wrong segment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's uh, that's that. So I'd say definitely the Indie World Showcase did a better job of showing you stuff that you can concretely be excited for uh, with you know dates and timeframes that'll be out. Uh, more details on that stuff. Like I didn't see anything. It was like you know timed console exclusive or console exclusive or you know. I even see Game Pass uh, things on them mm-hmm. that made sure that you knew that this was coming to Game Pass or this wasn't. I said, I just want to be like, oh, this segment's all Game Pass stuff. Mm. And then one of the trailers wasn't. I was like, man, whoever they paid you guys for this, they should ask for at least some of it back. Mm-hmm. You guys kind of helped fumble the message for them. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's that. I think that's how we're going to end the show. Uh, thank you to Brandon Denver for joining this week. We'll be back next week with a uh, slate of news. Uh, Looks like we'll at least have one event we can kind of talk about. Yep. Uh, For that, so we'll have some more news on what the Pokemon stuff is, if it's actually interesting. Uh, If not, we'll have other stuff to talk about, because there's always stuff happening, and the fall is right around the corner. I think Madden's coming out here in the near future. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, as well as uh, a bunch of other stuff. Oh, yeah. So, so we'll let you guys know what's going on next week, but for the time being, uh, this has been Days of Update. Let your friends know and your enemies know if you like the show, because uh, <laughs> they may not like you, but they may like the show. Mm-hmm. Maybe that'll bind you together, and you may become frenemies or friends at some point. I don't know. But, hey... We'll see you guys again next time. Have a good one.